I think just the hard part is knowing like, yeah, when do you get off the ride, man, before it's too late, you know? Welcome to the first episode of Into the Fire, where we take a deeper look into NFTs and the people and stories shaping an industry. My name is John Hoyes, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Kevin Chen. Kevin and I were deeply interested in the space, so we decided to record and publish a series of conversations about Web3. Today we're joined by none other than BitFloor's Ghost. If you've ever been in the Moonbirds Discord, you're no stranger to his avatar. It's a cute little blue bird with big eyes and a green do-rag. From Border Patrol agent to high school teacher to daily newsletter author, this man's about to take us into the unknown. Having just published his 50th post, without further ado, we bring you BitFloor's Ghost. Ooh, nice. I appreciate it, man. Is it, is that, is it 50? Is that real? Dude, I <laughs> just, that, I went through and I counted. I think is one it day really? Tomorrow's two. 50? Yeah. Dude, t- I think tomorrow's 50, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's cool, man. I appreciate that. Thanks, dude. That's cool. Congrats. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thank you. That's cool. How do you feel about that? Pretty good, man. It's nice to, uh, you know, like I said, I was just trying to find a way to kind of contribute and, you know, I don't code. I don't even have, you know, you're, you have these amazing like editing skills and things like that. I don't have, I don't have those like technical capabilities so much. And so that's what I was thinking was, you know, how could I, how could I contribute something that would not be easily like duplicated that would be hard to replicate. And that's kind of what I came up with. And I, and, and ultimately what led me to do like seven days a week, cause that was, that was something I was like, well, I can definitely do this. And that would be the hard part, I think, you know? Dude, I mean, you're yeah. crushing it, though. I appreciate it, man. We'll see. You know, it's still early. <laughs> early what do in the you game, mean? But, well, you know, I just, I think I, I feel like lucky. I guess, you know, lucky might not be the, the right word because I kind of recognize what's going on with proof. But, um, you know, they just have so much going on all the time. Whether and, and like you guys have stuff going on, and you know, there's so many different things going on all the time, and 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 them like pushing that into the sub parliaments, I think is really is really smart because there is always endless things going on. You know, they're trying to like the idea of empowering everybody else to 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 do things, you know, with the project, and even like you know, being able to like provide funds or things like that. You know, like that idea that Kevin talked about, like if everyone's being able to just you know send some funds to a group of moonbirds at a bar and let them have a good time and things like that you know yeah yeah well kevin i'll let you talk about that though what do you think about the uh the how did, how did it go for our new york party stuff i mean they, yeah. they were pretty supportive right super supportive um and bit to your point i think i mean just i think it's amazing that there's people you know all over the world who maybe have never met in real life and like come together and plan something like that. And that's kind of exactly what happened um, with John and I, like I never met John before and I just had the idea to say, Hey, like, what if we just started, you know, the hot wings, it wasn't called hot wings prior to that. I just set up a Twitter page that was originally called fire burbs. And then oh, I just, cool. I, yeah. And then I like threw out a poll cause I was like, okay, well as a single community member, I don't think I should, determine the name of the collective right so i just threw out a poll and then i think we had almost like 100 responses on the poll and hot wings ended up winning as one of the suggestions um, from a a community member and then i think that was like a few weeks prior to nft nyc and i think literally maybe the next week or the week after that um john like tweets at that page saying hey like what if we did an event, right? Mm-hmm. And that was maybe 10 days 
prior to <laughs> NFT NYC. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And that point forward, I think John and I probably talked every day for at least a couple hours, just kind of planning out the details. And we were like, well, if we're going to do this, like we got to make it good. And um, at first we were kind of, I mean, it was really John just willing to like shell out things out of pocket. And I was like, well, what if we just pitch this party to, to proof and see if they're willing to give us money? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so, and I ended up DMing AKA Stevie um, and some of the other mods and one thing led to another. And eventually they were like, yeah, let's, we totally want to support this. Um, and then that kind of just transpired into like everything that happened. We ended up having like the, the hot wings contest, um, where Kevin, Justin, uh, Ty were stuffing their faces with, uh, hot wings <laughs> along with, uh, some other community burbs as well. And it was a good time, but I think it's just, it's just something really special that I don't think I've really experienced with any other community where you could do that. Building community, building community. Yeah. Dude, I mean, for sure, I remember it was so funny because I remember seeing, I think I clicked on the link and it was like, you guys were like, oh, let's, why don't we do a meetup at this like chicken shop or something? And I remember like seeing like the outside of like some chicken place and I'm like, what? I was like, no, man. I was like, we're going to do it. Let's do it. Let's do it right. <laughs> yeah. I was stressing because Kevin, I don't know if you remember, but we were wanted to print all those pictures and put them around the whole bar, right? And we're like, okay, we got to print the pictures. And then we're like, we don't know whose pictures is what. And then like, I'm sitting there like, you know, I'm like, I'm doing my day job during the day. I'm like editing Family Guy from the bar. The, uh, and then I'm like, you know, and like, oh man, it's just, yeah, yeah. it was so crazy. And like, we have all the birds that we were printing out, but then we're like, oh, we want to print like Stevie and we want to print out like Kevin and Justin and all this stuff. And I'm like, who the hell is going to know this? And I'm like, I know Biffler Ghost will definitely be able to figure this out for me. And I'm like, I'm like struggling with all this shit. So I like, I text you and I'm like, hey, can you help me find this stuff? And you're like, oh yeah, 2714, 2713, 6532, you know, like you could just look them up by the, by the traits. And I was like, oh my God, Jesus. But like that saved me like 30 minutes, like 30 minutes or an hour on like a crazy day was like fucking huge. But that's like a testament to like community just coming together and being like, I got your back, man. And we've seen that so much in the discord, even in like the stuff we're working on. It's like, Hey, we have this idea. And like all these people come out of the woodworks with like, I'm good at this. I'm good at this. I'm good at that. And we can all like come together and like make stuff happen, which is crazy. That's awesome. And it, it looked great too, man. I was, I was jealous. I wish I was able to go. I guess, so like, Kevin, what, what is it, if I may ask, what is it that you do for work? Yeah, well, I do nothing related to event planning. So I work in finance, specifically in wealth management. Uh, so I help my clients like do financial planning, asset management, um, and, and, and things of that nature. So <laughs> it was completely unrelated. It was more of like, yeah, this sounds like fun. Let's do it, you know? <laughs> yeah, and that's what I think is awesome, yeah. though, and the fact that you guys just got in touch and decided to run with it. And and that's what's, yeah. like, standing out to me about Proof, too, and kind of to the point of all of this, that it's it's awesome that they are, you know, empowering smaller communities. Like, yeah, instead of having to worry about, you know, that something coming from the top down in order to, you know, have something or do something or just encourage, you know, the smaller meetups kind of that we were talking about earlier. Well, that's why the big, I think that when you, when we do like LA, LA will be big. New York will be big. Like, you know. Oh yeah. That'll be, I, I can't wait for that, man. I, I'm excited, especially having missed out on, you know, NFT NYC. I'm very excited <laughs> for the conference. Not, yeah, but don't worry. I mean, you'll be at uh, all these coming up, baby. Oh, I did. Looking forward to it. Yeah. I, t- I uh, was talking to Craig and like, uh, well, uh, what is it? It always reminds me of that uh, Wayne's World 
uh, GIF or whatever with mm-hmm. his, when they're badging their way through or whatever, you know, into the VIP section. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll be attempting it. We'll see. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I got to say, you're, I think your newsletter is definitely the backbone of the moon. Like one of the backbones, I would say, of the Moonbirds community. I mean, quite frankly, there's just so much happening in the Discord and so much happening on Twitter that it's like so much noise. Sometimes you've, yeah, there's just so, it's like really hard to figure everything out right and i think you encapsulate that really well in the newsletter and i read it like daily so it's like okay great like now i know bits definitely holding it down and and sharing exactly what i need to know um you know having a day job it's it's hard to be on it all the time you know and so i'm i'm grateful for it as a community member myself and i'm glad you decided to take that on i I have a question for you bit i mean 2012, I mean, you're considered an OG. Like you you got involved in the crypto space really early. What's the story behind that? Like what motivated you to get into crypto that early? All right, well, first, thank you very much for the kind words. I really appreciate it. You know, that once again, it was like, you know, I was I, I found myself digging through the Discord, you know, day after day. And, and I ultimately was like, you know what? I'm doing this for myself. I might as well put that information out there and help out. But anyway, that was, you know, I really appreciate that. Um, yeah. So like, dude, you haven't missed a day. That's crazy. Right. <laughs> I looked through, I didn't see a day missed. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going strong so far. We'll see, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> so, you know, a little bit about my background. I grew up outside like Philadelphia area, you know, um, not in the city itself or anything. I just say that because if you're not from the area, you know, people don't usually know, but, um, suburbs anyway. though, city, city life, yeah, or what's suburbs, the... a nice area, nothing like crazy or okay. spectacular or anything, you know? Um, but anyway, so, you know, I grew up there and I ended up going to, to Penn state, um, you know, main campus there. And, uh, I always wanted to be like a police officer. And so, you know, I went to, to school for criminal justice and, uh, about halfway through my college career, I was like, you know, I think I might want to be, I think I might want to end up being a teacher, but you know, I went to talk to the counselor and they were like, you can, you can do that. You just have to start over pretty much, you know, other than the general ed credits. And so anyway, I was like, you know, I'll revisit that down the road if that's the situation. So I, uh, I think it was my junior year. I went to like a job fair and there was a, uh, a border patrol there and, you know, a lot of different police, uh, you know, different departments and things like that. And I applied to a bunch of them. And it took me about two years. And, and finally, you know, the Border Patrol reached out to me. And, and interestingly enough, I didn't even know what they were, uh, especially being from Pennsylvania. You know, it's just not I, I guess yeah. I wasn't really up to date on news. I wasn't, you know, I was a high school kid and then college. And I just really wasn't, you know, I'm, uh, I'm quite different now at 35 than I was at, at 20. But anyway, um, so, you know, I, I did the Border Patrol. I moved to Arizona. Um, and while I was there, I kind of realized that's not what I wanted to do. I really wanted to go into teaching. I, I started to, you know, go back to school for teaching you know, while I was in the Border Patrol. And I finally was getting ready to make the switch. And I, I got hired as a teacher and, and I uh, left the Border Patrol. And they basically, I don't know, the federal government basically is like, hey, you need to, you can't contribute to your retirement anymore, you know? And so I was looking like what to do with that money. So I have that sitting there. And all while this is going on, I kind of really start hearing about Bitcoin. And I don't know what it was if, like at first. I, I wasn't on Twitter or anything, so probably Reddit or something. Um, but I heard about Bitcoin and I started kind of getting, you know, falling into that rabbit hole. At that time, I don't remember when Twitter IPO'd, but it was like, you know, within a year or so around that time. And, and I just remember all these different things were coming up and I was like, man, I, it's frustrating that I can't 
contribute to these things before they become public? Like, why don't I have this opportunity, you know, to, to like contribute when these companies are small or, you know, it's, I felt like it was kind of unfair. And, and so I really kind of, that was my angle into, into getting into crypto. And I was looking at it like this really could be a, a revolutionary, you know, system that could help, I guess, uh, you know, just regular people, I guess, you know, with, with their finances and help regular people make money and, and things like that. And so, yeah. So anyway, I took a couple hundred bucks at the time and I went down to like Bank of America because at the time you had to like put a money order and send it to some random or you had to wire. I don't, I don't remember exactly what it was, something like that. But I filled out the form and I just kind of prayed that the money showed up, you know, and, and that was like the first time I got it. I got a few Bitcoin. I think it was $90 a piece at the time. And, and that was what got me really into it, man. And ever since then, I've just been taking the journey, dude. Um, but really quickly, let me backtrack because I left something out here, you know, so I yeah. had this retirement money that I couldn't do anything with, you know, I, all I could mm -hmm. do was leave it there. And I'm, I like to kind of be active with my money, you know, obviously mm -hmm. a lot of us do in, in the crypto space. And, and so I got into Bitcoin and looking at it and all, and I actually, at the time was working at it as a teacher with my wife who I didn't, I actually knew her before you know, before we taught together. So I didn't meet her at school or anything, but um, she actually worked in the classroom right next to me. Um, and so like during a lunch break, I kind of went over to her classroom and I was like, hey, let me talk to you really quickly. I got an idea. And I was like, but I only want to do it if you're totally on board, you know, like, because it's kind of a crazy idea. And I was like, all right, I think we got like $20,000 or something. I'd only worked in the Border Patrol for a few years, you know. Um, I was like, I think we got like $20,000. Um, I can leave it in there and, you know, it'll grow a little bit. It won't be anything crazy. I can't contribute to it, um, you know, but we'll have that money. Or I here's the deal with Bitcoin. <laughs> here's the, this is, you know, and I kind of explained everything, what I thought about it and all. And she'd heard, you know, she knew about it a little bit. Um, and I was like, so Did you have like a roadmap. Yeah, I, you know, I was just well, basically how I pitched it. I was showing her a whole thing. Plan, just plan. <laughs> yeah, no, no, a vision board or something. No, she, uh, yeah, she, I basically was just like, and like I said, she still she had a basic understanding because I had been into it for a little while. Um, but I, I was basically like, hey, this is, you know, we could we could get rich off this, or we could lose it all. But I think it might be our best chance at making a ton of money you know, in our life basically and, and changing our life. Mm -hmm. And she was like, do it, put the money in, let's go, you know? So, um, yeah, man, that was like, what really kind of kicked it off. And that was when Bitcoin, I think, oh, gosh, I have to check my timestamps here and stuff on Coinbase, but I, I can't remember if that was the run to 20 to like a thousand dollar Bitcoin, or if it was the run yeah. to $275 Bitcoin. I, I can't oh remember. God, I can't believe was. you were during those crazy times. Oh my God. That yeah, was yeah. so crazy. It was, it was weird because it was, you weren't sure if it would be around. Like I remember, I remember being at school, you know, as a teacher, right. On my lunch break, once again, and I'm, I'm, I'm browsing like the Bitcoin talk forums or whatever. And the, everything and Bitcoin had been pumping, man. And it pumped to like 275 bucks. And that was my first yeah. rally from 90 bucks, you know? So I'm like, Oh, you know, and, and then all uh -huh. of a sudden I see on the Bitcoin talk forums, someone posts a big like screen capture of, I guess, you know, the Silk Road had been seized by the, you know, DHS and everything. And I was like, Oh, you just got this sinking feeling knowing that like, Oh my gosh, like, cause that was, that was like the, you know, people thought that was yeah. the only use case for Bitcoin. And Bitcoin was that at that time. There wasn't really much else going on. Um, and that, boom, man, that, that, that was the first uh, bubble burst I was part of.
So wait, so just take me back for a sec. So the, so, so <clears throat> I'm just curious of this, the border patrol. So are you like sitting, like, how does that even, are you like sitting at a giant fence with like a bunch of monitors? Like what's the, what's that, what's that look like? So, okay. So border patrol. So first off I was a, I, I was an agent, you know, down at a, at a station down there in Arizona. Um, and yeah, right on the border, man, one of like the busiest stations there. Um, and to be honest with you, and I mean, you know, gosh, what a, uh, polarizing topic. Um, but for the <laughs> most part, you know, like most, everyone I worked with, you know, I was, I was really friendly and I got along really well with, and, and for the most part, they were great people. You know, you have a few people, of course, that are, are not. Um, but so basically how it would work, you know, is you kind of, you kind of rotate, you know, you'd work out in the field, uh, a few weeks, different areas, you know, and then you'd also work in the, uh, like the processing area, which is where you're getting like mm -hmm. biographical information from people, you know, that are, you know, when they mm -hmm. come over and get arrested or whatever. Um, and, and that was kind of honestly, you know, to be one of the reasons I was, I left and became a teacher was because, you know, I told you I went to school because I had always wanted to be like a, a police officer and stuff, you know, because, mm -hmm. you know, there's a, there's a thread through all the jobs that I've kind of held. And, you know, in one way or another, it, the idea is like service, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and for me, others, yeah. I had really, yeah, I had always had the image in my mind of like really helping people as a police officer, you know what I mean? Like the little kid kind of image yeah. that everyone wants if to be. If they can only see your avatar right now. I, yeah. Right. I know, dude. <laughs> he looks but, like the avatar that helps everybody. Oh, I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, and that was kind of, it was, I, I guess morale was real low at the time, you know, in the, in the, uh, border patrol, agency that I was yeah. in or the area I was in, like I said, I don't want to speak for everybody, but, um, sure. it, it was tough, you know, it was just the morale wasn't, yeah. wasn't there. And, and I felt kind of, you know, age, a couple of agents got shot and killed, um, at the time, <sighs> like, uh, there was Brian Terry who got killed and I, I forget exactly where he was at, but then there was another agent at a neighboring station who got killed. And, you know, and most of the people who were coming over, I was dealing with were like, awesome <laughs> for like really good people you know of course you get the people who are bringing drugs and things like that's a whole different thing yeah. but um no nah, man it was a it was a definitely a crazy experience you know it's it really is like uh the wild west out there um you know there there were times where like the the fence would just like fall down and then all of a sudden trucks are running through with like you know filled to the brim with a bunch of dope and things like that. And and then you're like, people are running around throwing stop sticks and it's, they're tearing through the desert and then they're going back down, back South side. And, and that, and see, that was the stuff that was like, most people like really enjoyed <laughs> because, you know, oh, man. those guys were the people who were like the true bad guys, you know, that like, most people would generally agree. Like yeah. if you're like cutting down the fence and driving trucks through with like, that's the cartel, you know? Yeah. Um, but the people that I would deal with them, I would say like 90% of the people were just so cool, you know, so. Well, so different than Philly, right? Oh, my oh yeah. God. Oh, yeah. Totally different beast. Um, no, I, I had a good experience doing it. You know, um, I, I sometimes I think sometimes I wonder if if I was a police officer, if I ever would have left because it is a different job. You know what I mean? It really mm -hmm. is. Yeah, um, totally. And I know there's. Yeah. And I know there's of course, issues with both, whatever. But I, but I think there is just a, a little bit of a difference in that for the border patrol, you really are just kind of, your job is to monitor the fence more or less and make sure people don't come over, you know, yeah. uh, for the police, you're getting called to all kinds of things that could be helping people or, you know, or not, but yeah. there's the option at least I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think there's an interesting string there because at the time you kind of hear about 
Bitcoin as more criminal activity. Mm -hmm. And so as someone who was in law enforcement being interested in Bitcoin, I think is an interesting dynamic there. I mean, what was kind of the string that made you feel like, okay, like this is something that could change my life? Yeah. And great question. Um, and, you know, to just to clarify, too, I was like 23, you know, so I, I we kind of <laughs> were like, worst case scenario, we're young. You know, what I mean, I would not mm-hmm. I, I don't think I would make that move right now, to be honest. Um, but basically, um, so, OK, and and forgive me if like, man, if I get my timeline a little messed up, you know, it's been it's been a while. So and as you guys know, in the crypto space, dude, it's like a year and a day. Um yeah, well, you know, I've just basically been a dollar cost averaging for the most part, sure. you know, and also doing stupid things like gambling it on justdice.com or like, you know, like an idiot. Just, oh, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know <laughs> just like, back there, like, that was 50 grand. Oh, oh, I don't even, yeah. I couldn't even imagine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like whole Bitcoins, dude. Just like, yeah. But, you know, it was the only thing to do. I don't know what else to say. But anyway, um, so yeah, so I was just dollar cost averaging, you know, doing stupid things with my stupid things with my money from time to time. Um, and then, and then in like 2013, you know, there was that, there was a big rally again and it went to like thousand dollars or something, you know, I can't remember. Um, but all this, all this while I'm just like watching my money go up and down and I just not touching it, just keep adding to it because that was my, my thought is like, I think this will be worth more than it is right now in the future. And that was all I was thinking. Um, and then Ethereum came out and Ethereum became my like love though. Like I definitely pivoted hard to ethereum from bitcoin early um and still kind of it's still like my favorite thing people my friends like joke with me and stuff give me a hard time like i'm a maxi and stuff um i'm not a maxi about it i just you know it was like you know you kind of fall in love with like your first i don't know your first real interest in the space i guess like like proof my is my first real nft love after all these years so you said your 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 wife mm-hmm. were you guys already at the school together like work are you like because how did that end up happening right yeah you know so I, mean? I like, like i said i came out um to arizona for you know for the border patrol um yeah. and so were you with her before that or no and that's how i ended up meeting her i was at the academy and mm-hmm. i was so i knew where my station was going to be in arizona and basically i I was like, well, I want to see, you know, like what people are like out there. And I went on match.com, dude. And it was like the first person I talked to. And so that was <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool. Wow. That was, and like, then you guys are teaching at the same school. So, so basically 20, okay. So 2010, I joined the border patrol, you know, and that's when I was at the Academy and that's when I, I started to talk to her. And then when I, graduated the academy and went to my station, we started to, you know, go out together more and kind of got serious. And then we moved in together uh, in an area near where I worked. um, And she became a teacher there. And so then when Mm -hmm. I left the Border Patrol, I just became a teacher there too, basically. (laughs) Simply Mm -hmm. enough. Yeah. It it helped because her her brother is a teacher, her uh, brother's wife's a teacher, her mom's a teacher, dad's a teacher, you know, so I knew some people. Well, yeah, but I, but not even that so much, just like what drew me to it so much is, man, I was sitting there on like Christmas and in the summer and just sitting there at the fence and they're all like in Mexico on holiday, you know, just having a great time. <laughs> and, 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 and that was another, you, you, if you spend time in the discord, you know, a lot of people probably, I love the family stuff, man. That's what it's all about to me. Yeah. And, and I was like, man, I can leave the border patrol and I can I have all this time now, you know, all this time to spend with my family, man. And, and that's what I'd rather do. Yeah. Yeah. 
So you, you, you met your wife um, and you discovered Bitcoin and you finally convince her or you convince her, you pull her aside and you convince her that this was a good idea. And I think um, <laughs> something that I see a lot in Discord is you hear you you see comments saying like, "Oh, my wife's going to kill me uh, yeah. if she finds out how much money I spent on this All JPEG." <laughs> and I got I, I gotta say, the way you describe the conversation that you had with your wife is is definitely admirable. What kind of tips would you give to to folks out there who may be a little bit deep into Web three or crypto? Uh, <laughs> To, to have that conversation with their, their partner. Oh man. You know, and, and I gotta be honest with you, you know, and I tell her this and it's so true, dude. Like I really wouldn't have done it if she didn't say yes. And so she is like totally responsible for this, you know, just as much as I am like, yeah, I'm in here, um, you know, buying weird JPEGs and things like that from time to time. And, and I, obviously I don't consult with her on everything. Um, but I would not have even begun to do it without her, man, because that was the big move, you know, and it really was like, Hey, if, you're, if we're not going to do it, we're not going to do it. You know, it is, it was crazy because, and the idea then was like, it could all be gone. Like, you know, it really could go to zero. I think generally now people know like, okay, it's here to stay in some form or another, but that was mm -hmm. spooky. But our, my, my advice though would be, oh my gosh, don't hide money stuff from your spouse. That's insane, dude. Like I would never even think of such a thing. <laughs> talk about like torching your entire relationship. That's crazy, man. No way. Tell your, talk to your spouse. Don't spend money you can't. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Okay. So where does your name come from? Oh, okay. Bitfloor. That's simple enough. Well, so back, back when I was first, you know, onboarding, there wasn't Coinbase, dude. There wasn't like a place to simply you know, that was a huge deal when you were able to link a bank account and just buy crypto. It was, you know, like I said, you had to go into the bank and send a money order. And so Bitfloor was one of those exchanges. Um, there's a Wikipedia on it if you just Google like Bitfloor, you know, and it was an exchange though. And you would, you know, buy your Bitcoin there and they'd send it to you or whatever. Um, and it went under, it got like hacked or something like that. But, and at one point, you know, I wasn't a part of that either. I can't believe I keep getting away with it. Knock on wood. Now I'm going to curse myself here. Yeah, but, you know, the, the, I think it was the owner who sent out, he sent out a message Message and was like, hey, like, I'm closing up shop like this place. So if you have anything else left on here, like, get it off. And and that, I was, I got it off and I messaged my one buddy at the time. And and that was it, man. That was, so that's kind of the origin of the name. It's just, you know, goes to Bitfloor's past, man. Not It wasn't super original. I was just trying to, you know, think of something. <laughs> Okay. All right. Good. So you escaped the bit floor. Escape bit floor. Escape Mt. Cox. Escape Vidal. So I, and I took haircuts. You know, you never come out unscathed, but yeah, survival. All right. And so how about now? So now, what are you doing? Yeah. So, every, you know, like I said, since then, just kind of just continuing to DCA. Twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen was nice. That was the first time where I really decided like, I got to take some profits a little bit, you mm -hmm. know? Um, and, and 2015 is when I realized when my butt, I'm starting to keep jumping around, uh, that one of my in real life friends, you know, was actually involved. And so that, that made the space a lot better. And which, what also is like, I think such an important thing about the Moonbirds community and, and the lounge is like having that space to go with people who have been through cycles and can like recognize just simple scams mm -hmm. even, you know? And so, not having to go through it alone with my one buddy was awesome. And then, um, you know, and so then this cycle came around and he kind of woke me up because I was kind of hibernating after 2017. And that, that's kind of how I would do it, you know, and over all these years, like you would just kind of forget about it for a year or so. I wasn't out on Twitter or anything, you know, and I wasn't building, I was just, you know, investing. 
Um, mm -hmm. And so this cycle, though, uh, we did really well. And this time around, we all kind of looked at each other and we're like, dude, like, we got to take some profits here. And, you know, so so it was good, man. It's, it's, it was definitely a good cycle. Definitely, of course, always a lot left on the table and things like that. But, um, you know, I, I'm excited about proof, man. That's That was like my play going into the bear market kind of was like, you know what, if I have to hold something for a few years again, if this is what happens, I think I identified, this is my thought process to myself, you know, I mm -hmm. think I identified the project that I can do it with. Because uh, I was talking, I think just in chat the other day about this, and this is, I'm not being like, this isn't hyperbole, even if it sounds corny here, but like, you kind of have to, you kind of have to believe in something unironically being like the, the future of finance in order to hold it from, you know, a low price to, to, to hold it with like diamond hands for a long, long time, you know, like, mm -hmm. and I, and I talk about this in my class with my kids, even my students in my personal finance class. But like, if I give you, you know, a card signed by me and I'm like, Hey man, this is worthless dude. But like, here you go. You know? And then tomorrow you wake up and suddenly someone is willing to give you like a thousand bucks for it. Like, do you sell it? You know, most people will probably be like, yeah. And then, you know, or, and then people, of course, you know, no, I wouldn't do it. Okay. Tomorrow it's 500. Like, do you sell it? No, I wouldn't. Okay. Next day it's 10,000. Like, at what point do you do it? How do you hold something? I think that's the hard part. Isn't, isn't so much like, I think just the hard part is knowing like, yeah. When do you get off the ride, man, before it's too late? You know, that's, that's tough. Oh my God. Wow. That's so deep. <laughs> sorry um, but you know though like no it's so true well well and so sorry to tie it back in here so like bitcoin i felt that way about originally you know it was the only thing ethereum i felt that way about um in terms of like this is the future like i i can put my money in here and i can lose this and i could sleep at night because i truly believe in it and i could go to my wife but and did like, you really feel it or is it like now looking back at it you can like look at it like that oh you know no 100 I mean? felt believed in it 100 yeah and like i said well and you know and and see this is another thing it kind of gets funny and because uh, it's cognitive bias right you could look of at course like, oh after you're like oh yeah oh, survivorship man. and stuff like that but yeah. but I, I think a way to another way to kind of to show like the belief i guess would be like so okay look at dogecoin this year you know man I, it, me and my friends Some joked like, crushed on that. dude, we would have made the, the worst. The, the irony of this all is that like all these years, me and my buddies like worked so hard to be like, I'm only investing in real projects, like projects that have utility and have like, are not a joke, are not a meme. Like Bitcoin is, you know, was the first crypto period. Ethereum is the first like programmable crypto with smart contracts. Like these things are like first movers. I could go to my wife, I could look at myself in the mirror and be like, oh, it didn't work out. But like, that was a good bet. Like I, you know, it wasn't not, not every good bet that works out. What's that? Like, I always see it on, online that Picard quote or something that's like, you know, you can do everything right. And it, and doesn't work out. That's not unfair. That's life or something, you know, and that's, and that was one of those things though, you know, it was like, so the irony being, yeah, I could have just put my stupid money in Doge and I would have outperformed like insane. I'd be sipping something on an island somewhere, you know? Yeah, but, but if you didn't sell it right now, it's back down to what, five cents? You'd be, you would have been back to nowhere. And that's what it all ties into. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't have even held Dogecoin, dude, over bear markets. Like, I could, I would never been able to sit there and like open up my wallet and be like, oh yeah, by, I believe in the future, you know? But then by all that logic, then is this totally like a speculator's game? Like it's just pumps and uh, you have to like time it all to like make it work? 
I don't think trading is good and I don't think I'm a great trader. Um, and I definitely, like I've made money doing it over free previous bull runs. And I specifically say bull runs. And once again, I don't, I don't argue to things be a good trader. Up. Yeah. Things are going up. Who's not making money. Um, and that's the only time that I will trade. Uh, because I know, I know that maybe, maybe I don't have any edge. Uh, maybe I do just get lucky and, you know, I'm one of those people. It's just, you know, everything's going up and that's what it is. Um, but I truly believe in it. I, and I have, you know, and I don't know, man, I, I think it is here to say, I don't, I don't necessarily think that Bitcoin or Ethereum or anything is, has to be the one. But I think it's obvious that like NFTs are sticking around and crypto is sticking around. And so, which brings me back to my point here, proof is basically the thing that I felt strongest about since Bitcoin and Ethereum, which like I said, sounds kind of corny, but, but it really, I, I look at it as doing, okay, so, so the board ape, you know, the board apes, I kind of look at as like the first real mover. And I know there was other things going on, obviously punks. Okay. Whatever. All these, all these different things. But I really do look at board ape as like the first one grabbing like the, like the popular culture kind of zeitgeist and things like that. And then I looked at proof and I saw, you know, with the team and everything and how professional it was like the group, you know, I don't want I'm not trying to disparage anything here. I think board apes, I've obviously, I admit defeat. I was wrong with them. Um, <laughs> but I think that proof could possibly do a is I think they're going to be a better version. Long story mm -hmm. short, you know, they're, they're a little more to me, once again, professional, I, the communication is outrageous. Um, I had a couple of my buddies, you know, go to the proof of Moonbirds event and, and these are buddies who also go to like, you know, they, like big events, you know, like did million. they go to the hot wings eating contest? That's no, the they question. did not. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, no, I wish I should have, I know. Um, but you know, they, they have to like go to huge events for like work and things like that. And, and they were like, Hey man, it's, it's the real deal. Like these guys are legit. This was yeah. like a pro party and these guys are pros and they came home and they bought like three moonbirds each. So I think like, uh, if I, uh, I think one of them is four. So I think like between three of us, my two, a couple of my buddies, there's like, we have like 10 moonbirds right now. Dang. <laughs> Well, I just got to say that uh, the fact that you quoted Picard uh, makes me like you even more. He is definitely my favorite Star Trek captain. Thank you. Did I, I get that right? It was him, right? <laughs> I think he might might have said something like that. He says a lot of okay, cool. interesting and wise things. Um, but I want to dive a little bit deeper into something you said because I thought it, it was very insightful. And I'd be curious to hear um, you elaborate on it. I think mm -hmm. you said something like... Um, knowing when to get off the ride is the hardest thing and how you kind of were trying to teach that particular lesson and principle to your students. I guess, what are some of the principles that you would use to answer that question? Right. How, yeah. like, how long do you believe and when is it time to, to get off the ride? Yeah. Um, and, and to be clear, you know, for my students and stuff, I'm not like teaching them crypto degen stuff, you know, I'm, I'm largely like trying to just, impressed upon them like the idea of like because you know i run a personal finance class and basically you know i just for like a month i took like a rotation or whatever and uh, uh basically I, I so i run this class and there's like this whole course online that i use you're like um, kids just buy moonbirds we gotta yeah, pump the bags yeah, yeah right right yeah use your use your parents credit card no um but uh <laughs> you know so I, I basically like just go over some basics man things that i really wish that i knew growing up um 
growing up, like just things like loans and like amortization and, uh, you know, difference between credit cards and debit cards and taxes. And we, and we also play this game. Uh, I think it's, I think the website, it's like a free website. It's called like how the market works.com or something, but I'm not, I don't have any affiliation with them by the way, but, <laughs> um, but they just are a free website that lets you, that basically lets you create a contest for your students. Um, that and it gives them a hundred thousand dollars fake money, but it's the real stock market and it tracks the real market and it, and you can even open up the crypto side too, which I do, but I don't talk about it. You know, I'm just like, Hey, if you're into crypto, if you know what that is, you can also use that. It's all play money, you know? Um, yeah. But when we talk about that stuff though, you know, and, and it's, it's really interesting because they love it, man. Like, do you have some kids that are like, I'm so into crypto, dude, let's talk about this. Yes, I do. I do. And I have, and I have, and here's the NFTs too, or no. Yes. And so do they know you have Moonbird? No, I don't. I am. I no, 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 no. I'm totally like, until they find this podcast. Exactly. I'm I'm realizing. (laughs) Yeah. You know, but like, they're like, Mr. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so here's the funny thing. Um, in 2013, one of my first years teaching, I was building a new computer or something like that. And I had like an extra CPU and things like that. And there were two kids in my class who were really into like robotics and they were going into high school next year to do, you know, do the robotics team and things like that. And so I was like, Hey man, like, you know, I, I don't remember if we had, I talked about like video games and stuff with the kids, you know, because I still play them and, and they do. Um, but anyway, so I must have been talking about crypto or something. This is back then with these kids and the two kids. I, I basically was like, hey, I'll give you my my CPU if you guys want to build like a miner and you guys can mine some Doge. Yeah, that's that's what it was. They were like super into the Doge meme, dude, you know, because that's if you remember, that was like how Dogecoin came about, you know, because the Doge meme was super popular. And so I gave them the CPU. And I was like, yeah, you guys, um, you know, they wanted to mine it. I was like, you can use this <laughs> or whatever. And it's funny because I got a message like a few years ago, I think 2017 during that rally. And one of them hit me up on Steam. They had all graduated and stuff, you know, and they're all like, oh, how's it going? Like, what's going on? You know, yeah, you doing all right? Um, <laughs> so I, it's cool because, you know, it's not many of them, probably like a handful over the 10 years I've been teaching. So I've come back and talked to me about that. Um, but some get into it, man. Some really... You know, the reason I chose personal finance to teach, I picked that class is because I, I think it's something that I really wish I had grown up. You know, I was like, and and I don't know if it was a similar experience for you, but, um, you know, it was like, hey, just get your student loans and go to college, dude, and you'll be fine. <laughs> you know, like, that's all you got to do. Don't worry about it. And and I just didn't have, and I'm, I'm not trying to put the blame on anyone else other than myself for not looking into it enough. You know, it was just a different person. Um but I really thought that that would have been a useful class to have. Didn't have it. And now that I offer it, I get so much positive feedback from the parents and the kids. Like kids who have no interest in school love playing with the stocks, you know. And I know it's like it's it's educated gambling at the end of the day. Um, but it's something that they Risk need to understand. Risk yeah. management. Yeah, exactly. They need to understand, too, that like where to put your money. We talk about insurance and and things like that, you know, different taxes. And so it's not all just stock market stuff but that's so back to kevin's question like how do you what do you tell them like how do you know when to get off the ride yeah thanks for for refocusing me here um (laughs) so um when to get off the ride uh, my general advice uh is you know for for my students always is like your investments are long you know long term period like you shouldn't day trade that's a job if if you are that good like that's that's your career usually you know what i mean like you could go to school for that um 
don't be, don't day trade. That's my advice, you know, and that's pretty much my advice for anyone. Um, but like, yeah, you make your investments with a long-term horizon. Like, it, and I show them, I show them like, you know, 2008, you know, the stock market from 2008 to now. And we kind of go over like, Hey, this is what happens. You know, look, people are panicking here. People are thinking like, Oh my gosh, like I better cut my bag right now or, you know, or I'm going to lose everything. And then now you look at it and how, how, you know, it's, it's gone up. And, and my general idea is like, and what, this is my own personal philosophy, but like, you know, over a long enough timeline, the stock market goes up. And if it doesn't, then we have something else to worry about. That's probably going to be more important than money. And, and you know what I mean? Like the stock market, it has to go up over, over a long term. Otherwise what's, where's everyone's money? You know, it's the ultimate Ponzi. <laughs> so yeah. for the, for crypto though, I think it's, and I was talking about this in the lounge today, you know, I, and it's, it's a struggle for me, you know, so it's not like I'm a, an expert at this. I still, I took a bath, you know, at the end of this, the past few months and things. It's, um, but I heard a quote from someone once that was like, if you're not, if you don't constantly feel like you're taking profit too early, you're not making money. Mm. And I thought about that a lot. And, and I guess generally the idea here is like, you know, if you're, if you're feeling like you took profit too early, well, that first off, that means you sold something, you know, and, mm -hmm. and if you're going to make money, you got to sell something. And that's something that I think a lot of us sometimes get caught up in is that paper, uh, you know, portfolio number. I remember I saw, I remember during DeFi summer, one of the dudes got like, what was it in like DeFi dollar or one of those like algorithmic stable coins. But he had like, he went from like a couple hundred or a couple thousand dollars to like a million dollars. Um, but all the money was locked up in like bonds. And I think he ultimately escaped with like 200,000, which is amazing. But like, you know, that's tough, man. It's, it's hard when it's, you know, paper money. You just, my, my big advice would be, like everyone says, you don't invest money that you, you can't afford to lose. Like you never leverage something that's important. That's going to risk or upset your family or anything. And, you know, if, and, and, and that's the only way to invest anyway, because if you're worried about losing it all the time, you're never going to, you're, you can't, I, I can't handle that emotionally. You know, I've put myself in positions before where I've been like, I can't sleep, you know, <laughs> like I'm checking my point. Like this one makes me nervous and you have to be comfortable with your bags. So I don't know. It's just, I think you have to go through a cycle or two as well to figure it out. You know, do you see NFTs in the same sort of like profit and sell and make money, you know, as opposed to like some people might look at them as like, Oh, investments or collecting mm -hmm. art. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, do you see it as, you know, you just made like a three X might as well sell and move on to something else. Like, how do you see that? Yeah. And I think they're, they're just different, different things. You know, they're kind of like pieces of the same uh, puzzle there. Um, but you know, like, so I look at, I kind of look at different projects in different ways. Right. So, so proof to me is like, I'm holding this that's simple. And even if I was worried about it from a financial perspective, which I'm not concerned about in terms of its appreciation, um, even if I was concerned about that, I would just hold it and sell the derivatives and stuff that get dropped like oddities and Ravens and, you know, and try to recoup my money that way. Um, but no, I, for proof to me, it's one of those, like, I'm going to try to hold on to everything I can. And that's why, like, as someone who likes to kind of, I, I, I get the, yeah, I guess it like scratches that collector itch to, I want my same oddity number. You know, I want to have my unclaimed <laughs> rewards. I want to have, yeah, like the unadulterated. So like this bird that I have right here as my profile picture, 
you know, he's got unclaimed rewards. He's, you know, I'm not going to sell his oddity ever. I'm not going to, but it's tough when you're, you know, that not everyone's in that financial situation sometimes. Um, you know, and if I had to, if I needed to do something like, uh, something around the house or whatever, man, I'd sell, sell what I had to, to, to do that. Like I said, it's family and that's the most important stuff. Your bird is so classic. Like, I honestly, like it, I can, it's like when Ryan Carson sold his bird and it went to somebody else. I'm like, what? I, I can't look <laughs> at this like thing. And I am so confused. I don't know who this is. Like, right. Like this yeah. bird feels like you, you know what I mean? I appreciate it. And I feel similarly about you guys, man. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, and so, so you have like projects like that, right? Like forest proof moonbirds and things where it really is like, you just hold on, you enjoy the ride. You know, the team is going to do amazing stuff. And then there's like, you know, the D-Gen mints that you see in chat sometimes. Those are the ones that, you know, I, I don't even like to play them so much really just because I don't know. It's just, you never know. Yeah. You never know. It's like, it's not it's hard. I don't it's know. It's hard to resist. I hear it something. Is. I'm like, Oh God, do I like, <laughs> get my ledger out? I'm like, oh, no. yeah, it is hard to resist. And then it hurts when everyone's like screaming, like when I miss goblins, you know, or whatever. And, but, but you know, it's easy to remember the ones that you, that, that like go on to do really well. And then when you forget all the, the horrible projects though, that, yeah, you know, that faded away into obscurity and like, a couple of days. So yeah, I don't know. There's, I, I really, it's funny. Cause I just, you know, I've had a lot of people ask me like, Oh, well, how do you know like what NFT or how do you know when to buy? I have no idea, man. I just kind of go with my gut over things and, and just, I think, but I think there's something to that. If you're plugged into the space frequently, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Cause you start to see, you see patterns or you see how things are, you know, go. And I think I wrote about that in like one of my, uh, one of my newsletters, but like, I guess, okay, to put it a simple way, like, okay, let's talk about the upcoming like oddities drop really quickly. I mean, I would expect, and this is, who knows, I'm sure people will get mad at me, but like, you kind of expect an NFT to, to dip on reveal generally, you know, mm -hmm. that's just how it normally goes. Now, Azuki's didn't do that. So it, it doesn't mean that it it's always will. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I think a lot of times the NFTs, it's also the, uh, it, if depending if you're trying to make money, it's like a... Uh, what do you call it? Uh, is this a percentages game, I guess. Um, like I have friends. So I have some friends who are buying some oddities who I know are flipping, are going to flip them into the release. You know what I mean? Which is, that's cool too. You need everyone. What is it? Buy the rumor, sell the news. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and because that's how it normally goes. I would say 95% of the time, unless you get a rare, you're losing, your, your floor is getting cut. Right. Um, and so, and that's hard though, to, to kind of like, separate though because you know I, I don't know sometimes i look at a project and i'm like i'm just gonna gamble you know i just want to hold it through the reveal i know what i'm doing and then i get like wiped out and you're just like ah oh, yeah. but oh there goes a grand two grand three grand yeah <laughs> yep, yep that happened to me recently that was rough but you know it's just you got to take your shots and they don't all work out like the goal is to make sure that your wins are big enough that they cover for your losses. How would you describe, like you're talking about, like you, a lot of your friends have come into the, into the Moonbirds ecosystem. Like how would you describe the moon, like Moonbirds in general to somebody who's not familiar with the brand? I guess the best way, well, I mean, it's, it's going to be hard to pitch like a, you know, five figure picture to someone who's not in crypto at all. But, you know, to me, it's just, it really just comes down to like the team in the community, man. Like I don't have any concerns about the team whatsoever, you know? Um, that's always a constant debate is like, do you trust a doxed team or not, you know, or an, un excuse me, a, a team that is not doxed. 
And I think what Ryan Carson's like 121G fund, that's one of their things is like they don't invest in, in anonymous founders, period. Um, and so that's nice, right? Like it's so they have a great community. They have a team that's known who has a track record. Um, and the people that, you know, maybe you don't, that aren't publicly as well known as like Kevin Rose and Justin and stuff. Um, you can see them in the discord every day that are like, and then get to know them, you know, and like, and see a million interviews or they, or they're willing to like talk to you on your podcast or it's, it's awesome, man. It's just a really like inclusive community. And, and you can see that the leadership from the top is really, really like trickling down, you know, like, I mean, look at you guys bringing me on, dude. It's everyone's just trying to like, help everyone else out it's awesome it's super cool dude it really is it's it's awesome <laughs> yeah man it is it's fun though you know it's i it's over like the 10 years or so that i've been in this space it's the most fun i've had it is fun because it is kind of like it's it's a little crypto but it's also like ip attached to crypto you know where it's yeah. like now it's like I'm, I'm from the ip world of like brands and disney and fox and you know it's like interesting to be like oh well like if disney started over today why wouldn't they like do web three stuff you could own yeah. mickey mouse you could own goofy or donald duck right and so it's like duh you know so it's like i could see it and it's also like you can you can put a financial value on i mean board apes like i i don't like i mean i missed that boat and i was like uh whatever but like mm -hmm. there is value to the ip that you can see that on a billboard and you know that something like that has whether it's ten dollars fifty thousand fifty dollars million dollars ten million dollars of fifty million a billion dollars whatever it's like there is a value associated with ip so like there is now you're taking like all ip and then putting it into like a financial model and being able to like break that up and you know all yeah. that's still to be figured out how that's all going to work out and stuff but like it is i don't know it is fascinating because you can like the value it's like or you have like joe schmo coin or dogecoin or bit of a coin or bit of a coin it's like okay but those aren't those don't have like a definite value whereas like an ip has value you yeah know? that's a great point that's a really good point i was um i think you know, one of the like, so once again, you know, I, I wasn't like early to NFTs, I don't think. I minted hash masks, you know, and I, I, it was hard for me to get into it originally because, like I said, it, you know, I come from the world where it was like Bitcoin or everything is a scam. And then you kind of had to break from that. But mm -hmm. um, one of the things that really like stuck out to me is, you know, when Cuban came into the space and stuff and he started talking about NFTs a lot. And he uh -huh. mentioned, yeah, and he mentioned something that was like, he's like, I have a problem with ticket scalpers. He's like, I could just make a ticket in NFT and that ticket could pay me a perpetual, you know, 5% royalty, whether it's scalped or not. And the problem solved, you know, and that's what started to get me thinking like, you know, these do have really great use cases. I had always thought of it as like, to be honest, like, so the, the first time I heard of like an NFT before it was an NFT was the idea of like a colored coin. Do you guys ever hear mm -hmm. colored coins? Yeah. Okay. And so the idea though, like when it, when it was first coming around was like, you could, your house could be one, you know, you could have a token that could represent your house and then you could, you know, I'm going to sell this and you know, here you go, John, I'm sending it to you. And now you are owner of my house. So I think there's a lot of cool applications. I think art and stuff is the first, was the first like iteration of that. Um, but that's where like, and then you start seeing the utility coming into play is, is so cool. I thought the nesting incentive was like, revolutionary and that i think is what really brought me into proof to uh what really hooked me was the the nesting mechanic to be honest with you i thought like the game theory there um was super unique and would like pretty much capture the crypto space i reached out to herman 
um, let me see here, from Leaderbird. I don't know, uh, okay. the Leaderbird yeah, website. Yeah, yeah. And I had asked him if he could run me the numbers of how many people are day one nesters. Um, because if you look at his website, if I'm correct here from my memory, his website shows you total nesting time and uh, mm -hmm. total streak. Okay. So, you know, different, different metrics there. But the website mm -hmm. is only sorted by total nesting time. So he ran the data for me. And he told me that there was, this is yesterday, there are 6,564 day one nesters that are still nested today. 6,500 from day from day one, dude? That's insane. Like, I don't even know, like, I'm like, is that right? I don't know. It may be. If there's 6,500, that's crazy. 65% of people are day one nesters. I've never even heard of such a thing in this space. It's crazy. <laughs> like in terms of like what's going on in this space right now, like proof is great for sure. Mm -hmm. Aside from proof or including proof, like what innovations do you see like going on right now that are like, wow, that's good. Like if you like, are there other things going on in other, I don't know, projects and stuff that you're like, oh, that's a good Minting yeah. mechanic or a good like, you know, utility case or reward or reward mechanism. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I'm always trying to keep an eye out. I've, I've admittedly been very like myopic with my focus here, obviously with my newsletter and everything, you know, but so I, you know, you see things that are like that pop, uh, pop out from time to time. Like I think, what was it just two days ago or yesterday? Um, what was it? Wides like that? Yeah, project. I saw the wides. I thought yeah. the wides was like wides. Well, kind of cool, and right? It or was cool. Like, it was or cool. a scam. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And like, no, I don't care about obviously, like, I don't believe in wides or whatever. But like the idea that you could transform an image every time you send it. Okay, this is cool. You know what I mean? Like now who's gonna take this and make it something actually useful and neat? Now now it could be cool. What if like you send it and it like evolves? Like a Pokemon or something. I don't know. Now, Do to you know the mean? audience who hasn't necessarily like seen that or heard, can you explain that to them as what that is? Yeah. So, if I recall here correctly, basically it was like a project that, and I don't want to dis disparage anyone if it was like a real project. I don't know. Um, I didn't do any research into it, but long story short, it was a picture of like of punks. It was punks, right? But the difference was every time you sent the punk, or or maybe it was a certain amount of transactions. I forget. But anytime you sent it it would just stretch the photo wider, right? <laughs> like, like if you went into like paint and like did like the, you know, stretch or skew or whatever. Yeah. And with like, and it just got warped and horrible, but it was funny. I mean, and it was a neat idea because, and that's the stuff that you kind of look for, you know, is, and that's once again, that's why nesting got me because this was a unique idea. You know, I know staking itself wasn't unique, but the idea of like, Hey, you know, just hold this signal your like loyalty to the community kind of thing and uh you know there's and you'll get like drop stuff and cool things like that 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 was pretty mm -hmm. neat so that's kind of what i look for to be honest with you if i'm like an investment if i'm looking for an investment i always look for like a unique technology i guess or a mm -hmm. unique kind of that's what stands out to me so that's like that's kind of what got me with bitcoin and then it was the smart contracts with ethereum right and then with nfts you're talking about like houses in the blockchain or real property or you know so it's yeah, I guess that's my, that's kind of what I try to identify as like a, something that I think that could maybe apply, like if you can make money on something that can apply to many different projects, you know, like if you could find a way to, in, to invest in the nesting mechanic, you know, and then anyone who like, who uses that, you're going to make that, it's, that's the real grail, right? Um, and it was a bummer too, with like Coinbase, that was another thing, like, 
you know, there were so many of us in like 2013 who were like, how, how do we invest in Coinbase? Like, this is all we want to do. We know that Coinbase is going to do well. You know, it's the only thing out there, but you just can't. It's not an option. You mentioned a few things about like utility, art and innovation and different mechanics, right? Moonbirds with the nesting and with this new project, manipulating a crypto punk, depending on the times you transfer it, I guess. For someone you're like who's a collector within the NFT space, if you were to kind of think five to ten years from now, like what would you hope NFTs kind of evolve into, right? If if you were to, I guess, hope for something to happen or want to see something to happen or maybe think something is going a certain way, what would you see that to be over the next five to ten years? That's a great question. I think there are a couple things that really stand out to me. Um, one of them would be like. I, you know, I don't invest in NFTs with a thought towards decentralization, really, personally, like, I, I think my, I would like my finances decentralized, but I invest in Moonbirds because of the team, you know what I mean? Like, and, and this so is kind of centralized. You yeah, mean. it is centralized, right? I mean, if, yeah. if the team's not there, then, you know, I don't, I love the community and stuff too, but like, we need a team. Um, and so you know, I think, and I kind of hope, I don't know if you guys saw that that tweet the other day, uh, yesterday about um, someone who got something stolen from them on Solana, like a D-Gods or whatever, and they jacked the royalty up to like 99% so that the person can't even sell it or whatever. And I was thinking about that because, you know, people are debating, is that too much? Is that like too far? And I don't know. I think about that a lot. And I'm like, you know, ultimately with NFTs, at least this iteration of like art and things, you know, is it really, or at least profile pictures, is, is it so bad to like, to do something like that? You know, uh, I mean, I, I hate this, this flagging stuff that's going on with OpenSea where these innocent people are like buying something that is retroactively getting flagged and they're, you know, instantly losing money. You know, it's, it's tough once again, because from the Bitcoin and Ethereum side, it's like, you know, you, if you don't have your keys, you know, not your keys, not your coin, it's you're your own bank and you know, all that stuff. But I think the NFTs are a little different. Um, it is a little more centralized. There's, there's a difference there. I think it's wrong for, you know, someone to be able to freeze my Ethereum on the blockchain. I, I can understand the idea behind jacking up an NFT's price royalty to 99% of someone steals it. You know, I don't know. There's like a... Could you... I guess it, I mean, do you think then that there could be like a like a proof police who'd be like, oh, this bird's stolen. Burp, 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 burp. Yeah. Get him out of there. Well, see, that's a slippery slope. I, I mean, you are you did work in law enforcement before, so I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Um little, yeah, I know, right? That's a, a good different. that's a good area to start up. You could do right? NFT law enforcement. I do think whoever, and I've talked to a few people about this, I, I do think whoever can come up with some kind of small solution, anything that even Insurance, addresses it, yeah, yeah will be. I mean, is a, that'll be huge. I, I just, I, I don't think there's a good solution, I th but I don't think that flagging is the solution because too many people, especially having sitting, sitting here in the, you know, the Moonbird Lounge, you just see it all the time. Whenever there's a big like FOMO run of people, someone comes in and is like, oh no, I bought a stolen bird. And it's, it's tough, man. It's, and, and like really the only reason that that's a problem is because it's flagged. Yeah. And, and I know that someone was victimized there but like, is the solution really to I mean, what hurt, you hurt do? someone like, else? You, yeah. Could you put together like a fund that like helps like, I don't know, oh man. Buy I don't think you can do back. anything. And that's why I think like, you just like don't flag it. policy? 
Yeah. yeah. What, I mean, you could do insurance, right? I, I don't know how, I don't know if it's feasible and stuff, especially with how the rate that people lose stuff. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I So going forward, I hope that there is some kind of easier way with that stuff. Um, I'm willing to, from my own perspective, sacrifice decentralization in some regard with my Moonbird NFT if it means that, you know, I don't know. It's a little bit safe for for some people in the community. Kevin, what else you got over there? Uh, or should we move on to the 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 next round? Yeah. Well, we we do have a rapid fire round prepared, cool. and we're thinking about. Uh, so we prepared five questions. And well, actually, I have some more. I was gonna, I was I was going to hope okay. to do. Okay. Yeah, you <laughs> want to tackle one, that two, first? Three, yeah. four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. But. We could throw a 60 seconds on the board and see how fast you're going to answer these questions. Or is it like trivia or is it like opinion? It's not stuff? trivia. It's just, okay. it's just going to be, it's going to be questions about the NFT, DeFi, Web3 space, all of it. Are you ready? Oh gosh. I hope I don't let you down. Yeah. Okay. I guess Kevin, so. you ready? Anything else? Oh, I'm scared. No, let's do it. I'm going to go for it. All right. I'm setting, I'm setting a timer on the clock. 60 seconds. I feel like I'm on a game show. Quickly. How would you explain NFTs to a five-year-old? Um, it's like a collectible Pokemon card on the computer. Okay, out of 100%, what percent are you art collector, investor, and degenerate gambler? I am 20% degenerate gambler, 50% investor, 30% art. Okay, what was your biggest NFT win? Um, my biggest NFT win was... Being a Moonbird. Yeah, right? What was your biggest NFT loss? Biggest NFT loss was probably buying a uh, really rare Azuki when that was pumping. That was a bad decision. What NFT project do you think is the most underrated? Proof. What's your NFT holy grail? My NFT holy grail, honestly, yes. Uh, I think the holy grail is and will be day one nested moonbirds. If your NFT hit a certain price, would you be like, I have to get out? And if so, like, what would that price be? I don't think I would sell this guy. Like you said, he's kind of linked, you know? Um, but I have another Moonbird with my wife, and I guess if it went something crazy, I mean, like buy a uh, buy our family a compound or something, you know, where we can all live together, probably do that. But otherwise, I'm in it for the ride, my friend. Okay, and then which book has had the biggest impact on you? Um, uh, a Prayer for Owen Meany. Ooh, by John interesting. Irving. All right, and that's our time. Woo! Thank you, thank you. I appreciate it, guys. What's this book, dude? A prayer so- for Owen Meany. Yeah, so like, are you a big reader? I'm. I'm actually not a big. reader. I need to be reading not. more. I've been spending too much time on like, you know. Yeah. So okay. Um. Do you do you know the movie uh, Simon Birch? Yeah. Okay. I never saw the movie. Number one. Okay. But the move, the book, or excuse me, the movie is based loosely on the book. The book is apparently way better. Obviously, um, it's kind of like this. So it's this story about this kid named Owen Meany, you know, and. I think he hits like a baseball one day and it like kills his best friend's mom. Like it was just like a freak thing, you know, but anyway, the whole story is though is about like, I don't want to give too much away. It really is good, but it's all about like uh kind of like fate and like interconnectedness and things like that. I don't know. It just had a really, really big impact on me. Dude, this has been amazing. What Thanks, a good, man. what a good, a good conversation. Um, yeah, man. Until next time. I think, I think, I think we've covered a lot of stuff. Kevin, you got anything else? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited to see how it turns out. Like I said, it's, it was so great getting to, to learn more about you and I guess, uh, the author behind, uh, the, the newsletter I read, you know, so it's cool to hear your voice and, 
you know, paint some color on the story that you shared with us in chat. And it's cool, man. Appreciate uh, it, guys. All right, fellas. You guys have a great night. We'll talk to you later. Right. Peace. Yes. That's it for our episode. Thank you for listening. If you like the pod, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. It really helps for discovery. We will remember our early supporters. None of this is financial advice, so please do your own research. If you'd like to be on the podcast or you have an idea for a guest or a story, please hit us up on Twitter at hotwings underscore XYZ. Special thanks to Umi Capilla for writing the intro music. Umi is a composer well-known for working on movies like Star Wars, Rogue One, Clint Eastwood's The Mule, and HBO's Chernobyl. He was also the lead guitarist of Filter, singing songs like Hey Man, Nice Shot. His info will be in the show notes, so give him a follow. And Umi, thank you so much. Until next time, peace!